Uh, hi, I'm Bryce. <laughs> and I'm Will. And this is SideQuests, a podcast about game design and learning, and where we only occasionally stay on topic. And this one is a little weird, because last time we talked for a perfectly reasonable podcast length. Right. And then we stopped to sort of take stock about what we were planning on doing. And then we decided to record for another at least half an hour. Yeah, that was a decision. Yeah, I don't know why we did it. (laughs) Well, we didn't know how long we had talked for because normally we have a timer set up, which I don't have set up right now either, but this is just a brief intro to to that. And so we just kept going, having no idea how long we had talked for. So I'm here to mostly just introduce that. Also, we're here to explain why we're so terribly late but we're not actually here to say why, because we said why in the past. Yeah. Which very will be confusing. Your which will future. be your future. Yeah. In your very near future. I have recently had a sudden drop in the amount of free time available to me, which is good news, which we'll talk about in the next segment. Yeah. And the, the upshot of which is slower podcasts, and we don't know exactly what schedule we will ultimately hit on releasing these things. Yeah, I like doing it every week, but it's a lot of time per episode if you are fitting it into the evenings. Yeah. So we're we're holding off from making promises or yeah. claims about any particular schedule, but hopefully we'll find one over the course of the next couple weeks. Right. And possibly we might get somebody else to do some of the editing. At least occasionally, which would make it faster. And the editing is the long part. Sitting around yammering is easy. Although frequently long. That's true. A little overlong. But yeah, so enjoy enjoy the podcast. Oh, oh, I just want to do... Someone suggested that we mention that we have an email address where you can email us questions and comments and things. And that we should tell you at the beginning Mm. or nearer the beginning, not the very end of every podcast. Because maybe people have turned off. Which, I know, the monsters. <laughs> but you can email us at contact at sidequestspodcast.com. That's many side quests, one podcast. And we will tell you again at the end, I know, because I've edited that part. Before recording this part, we're in a time vortex again. Yep. All right. And we're escaping. Yep. Uh, enjoy the news from two weeks ago. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. And we're back. Hello. Hello. So, now we're back with the news, briefly. Yeah, we're doing news second. Right. So that it can't take over the whole podcast. Yeah, I really wanted to get through that stuff because we sort of promised it last time. We'll experiment. Everything is an experiment. Yeah, we've done the news last before. Who knows, really? Yeah, it's not really relevant what order they come We're mavericks. (laughs) So, the biggest news, I think, for me anyway... Is that I've got a job. Yay! It's very exciting. And more importantly, I got a job at Scratch. So we've talked about Scratch a bunch of times. It is the block-based programming language that is excellent for beginners and people who have never programmed before. Specifically, many of those people who are beginners and have never programmed before and would like to get into it are children. Right. But the difference between adult beginners and child beginners is not as big as people pretend. It is. Yeah, that's adults true. are like that's for kids. I don't want to do that. But you're just being dumb. All the stuff. <laughs> right. for, when I was trying to learn a foreign language, I was in Germany. I just went to the kids section. I just read Doctor Seuss. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Seuss is hard to translate. I translated it into yeah. Latin once. And I also read Harry Potter. Oh, that's good. 
I bought a German Harry Potter and gave it to my sister because yeah. I was looking for presents to bring back from Germany. But things for children are designed to be digestible. Right. They're designed to be learned yeah. by people yeah. that are maybe not, don't, it takes fewer things for granted yeah. that you might already know. And so if you're really a beginner, things geared towards children are great. Yeah. They're also designed to be engaging mm-hmm. and not take advantage of the fact that grownups are irrational patient um, <laughs> like ch- children huh. are extremely impatient that's true but I actually think that's a more reasonable stance in some things yeah obviously we develop our irrational patience over time and we're like I know it's gonna pay off to be bored now that's something I've been realizing that I need to read through the parts of instruction yeah. That I feel like I already understand. Because instruction of any kind, like whether it's learning a new skill or anything like that, they will slip seamlessly from stuff you've never heard of before, or st- yeah. stuff that you know already, to stuff you've never heard of before. And you will just be lost. Yeah. And they do it gradually, and they will throw in things that you don't know You're like a on. frog in boiling water. Who's had a lobotomy. Yeah. That it, is a this, very important part of that this story. Is, this is, I think, as previously discussed, why I failed freshman chemistry. <laughs> yes. We did talk about this. So Scratch is the best thing. Yeah. I think. Okay. <laughs> well, it's it's one of the best things that exists on the internet. Yeah. No, I, I am a big Scratch it's booster. Like, yeah. Um, it's like them. It's Wikipedia. strong, bad emails. Um, <laughs> it's Wikipedia. Um, I think YouTube is really good. I expect that Scratch is one of the largest non-profit owned websites. Hmm. Um, Wikipedia is the single largest. It's, it's the only website in the top 10, I think, that is owned by a non-profit. Huh. But I bet Scratch is pretty high up there. I believe it is the largest programming community by user base on yeah. the internet. So Scratch is a tool that you can use to program. It's a programming language and community and environment to program in, all these things. And the idea is that you can build things by dragging blocks that contain syntax into an order that yeah. makes things happen in the program, which is contained to a square on the screen. So it builds the syntax into the blocks. Right. So the system knows the syntax, so mm-hmm. you don't have to. Right, so you can't get a syntax error, basically. Yeah. And so you can't forget a semicolon and have your code not run. Yeah, and to be honest, the idea that you can write code and get a syntax error when you try to run it is stupid. Because (laughs) if you got to the trying to run it point and it let you get that far, why? Why did it let you get that far? Well, it's funny because you... It's, no, it, no, it's just dumb. Because it knows what your problem is, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh. it could just throw a semicolon in right. wherever... Yeah. It, or it could throw up a thing that was, you seem to be missing a semicolon. Do you want me to put a semicolon in? Yeah. And you and could be like, yeah, put that semicolon there. Right. Or you could be like, no, I'm doing something insane that I shouldn't be doing. Right. I think that we should definitely talk about programming language design in the future. Yeah. But Scratch handles some number of things that are really useful to not make people who are new to it learn. So that they can learn the concepts. Also, its mascot is an adorable cat. Yeah. It is a product of the Lifelong Kindergarten group. 
Um, at MIT at the Media Lab. The leader, the like kind of PI of the group is uh, Mitch Resnick, and he wrote a book called Mindstorms. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's Seymour Papert. Mitch Resnick didn't write that at all. Whew. It is the spiritual successor to the work done by a fellow named Seymour Papert, who wrote a book called Mindstorms, which is about kids. Mm. I believe the sub subtitle is Kids Computing and Something Something Mumble Mumble. Mm. Um, it's a weird subtitle. <laughs> yeah, I think they uh, more he, he w- that group also developed the logo programming mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. Which many of us are familiar with from computer labs in in our elementary and or middle schools. It's funny because I never did it in my elementary or middle schools, which were approximately the same elementary yeah, you or middle were schools. Very you went close, to. Um, so. but I did. Yeah, it's a, an amazing project. As I, you know, I've been working with kids to teach tech skills for the last decade, and uh, yeah. I've been using it for that much time. Right, and I've been teaching Scratch specifically to children for five years now, and yeah. it's just so good. You can watch kids learn how to do things over time like i've watched kids who like basically made the same simple project over and over again five years ago are now doing elaborate awesome complex video games no it's amazing yeah we should talk about programming as a game Mm -hmm. at some point as a podcast Um, yeah i'm gonna derail on scratch and i'm just pulling us back okay because there's too much to say right right it's Um, great but it's fantastic you got a job and And i work there now yeah now you work there which is amazing and it's you know you no longer work in the same building as me which <laughs> i find sad but yeah. but i'm really excited i have not started yet it'll happen sometime in the near future there's some paperwork things that have to happen before i start but yeah. i'm incredibly excited i love it I love Scratch. I'm excited to start there. And that is the most exciting thing that's happening to me. It means that I get to learn a whole bunch of new things really in depth. So I'll be doing QA, so bug testing, which is a really important part and something that I have experience with doing in the past. I have a lot of experience with Scratch itself. So I'm just, it's just great. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so happy. Yeah, it's super cool. And then, so that's the biggest news. I have something which is I want to talk about the robot game, but I'm not sure if we want to fit that into this huh. this one. I don't know. We were writing a game. Yeah. It's hard to keep writing a game for a long time. We've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And we've been learning to write games while writing this game. Yeah. There's always something new to learn and a new trick, and you can realize that everything you've done before is not right, and you should redo it. A lot of what I have personally have been working on is a level editor, just to make it so that we can yeah, because levels. Well, because writing tools to do boring work mm-hmm. is some of the most effective work, Yeah, combined with the fact that your video game has different constraints than all of the video games that ever existed in the past. It um, should. Yeah. At least. Well, and if you're using any kind of off-the-shelf level editor, Mm -hmm. it is either constrained to a narrow set of constraints based on someone else's game, Mm -hmm. or it's so broad as to give you too many options and not be streamlined for what you want to do. Right. Um, Which is why, even in a world where we have a million tile-based level editors, we have a million tools that might be free and open source and all these things, it's still useful to just say, what is my game? What is the narrowest thing I can build that is a level editor for this Mm -hmm. game? Yeah. So I've been doing that, and I, just since the last podcast, have successfully made it so that you can design a level, save it. I did a lot of this before, but you can save the level as a JSON file, which is a JavaScript object notation file, which is a common way of storing information in a text file that you can then read back into other programs. And the thing that I succeeded in doing most recently is make it so that you can actually change the properties of tiles 
that you can then pull back in. Yay! Which is very exciting. And so effectively, you could build everything with what is there now. It needs work right. in order to make that friendlier. And um, also presumably actually true because we have maybe types of... T- I don't know. Maybe you implemented all the types of tiles. I don't even know. I implemented a lot of types of tiles. You can easily add types of tiles yeah, to it. Right. So I made types of tiles for everything that I could think of that we had discussed before. Which is a lot because we've yeah. been talking about this game for a silly amount of time. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different options that we'll eventually want to be able to put into the game. But I covered some of the main ones yeah. um, to the point where I think that we can actually implement it into the game. One of the things is that the whole idea is that the level editor is built in Unity. Okay. So that you can then go directly from editing a level to playing it right. and then back to the editor. Although that's broken right now. Anyway, so that's what I've been working on. And I got it to the point where like, I think it's more worth doing some of the other things yeah. than it is to keep... Well, I can always keep working on a level editor because you're never done with any project ever. Yeah. Right. And I've been working on this game and what I did about a year ago, six months ago, I don't even remember, was decide that all of the movement and physics and collision detection and everything else code was bad because it couldn't solve the problem that I wanted to solve. Which involved stacking boxes. Yeah, yeah. Right. I wanted to have a bunch of boxes on top of each other. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. There's a microwave going on in the background. Uh. Hold on a minute. So the thing you were trying to get to work was box stacking. Right. So if you have a moving platform Mm -hmm. and then like a conveyor belt on that platform and then like a series of boxes of arbitrary sizes sitting on that platform that can be moved by the conveyor belt and then also stacked on each other and moved by each other. Yeah. And then you have a player on top of that box and they want to push a box. Right, they're on one box and they're pushing another box yeah. on. There's that. just a bunch of things that interact right. with each other. Right, and this is stuff that can happen in real life. And yeah. if you have arbitrary box piling up, yeah, it's not hard. You'd like to be able to handle it. Yeah, and if I thing. push the lowest box, it would move all the boxes mm-hmm. based on some rules. Yeah, and it turns out that there's two basic solutions to this, mm-hmm. and one is simulate physics in a realistic way, mm-hmm. and the Which other we have chosen not to do in most of the rest yeah. of the game. And the other is don't do this why are you doing it (laughs) and i decided to pick a third solution Mm. which is program a bunch of stuff and (laughs) i programmed a bunch of stuff and then we did a bunch of things and i tested out some levels and there were some really minor problems right Mm -hmm. and it was like there is no way when the boxes are being pushed up against walls it was like they're either going to be two pixels into a wall or two pixels away from a wall sometimes Mm. and i decided this is unacceptable although in retrospect i could have decided we can fix this with art Oh, yeah, you, that's an option. Often an option. But I didn't decide that. I said, this is unacceptable. I want to well, write this better. For one thing, that would have been, I would solve it with art, because I'm making the art. Right, yeah, it would have been, let's have Bryce fix this problem. <laughs> right. Which uh, it's I could have done. But. You, know, you know, and there's a lot of like technical things here, but I decided, no, my engine that I wrote earlier about box pushing is wrong and bad, and mm. it needs to be completely rewritten. And every time you embark on a programming project, you write it, and you finish it and you're like this is a piece of crap and Mm. it's the worst thing ever and i can do it better the next time and part of maturity as a programmer is not doing that (laughs) because you're like i'm done i finished it writing it again yeah you're just like you know what i'm done so i don't need to rewrite it but this time i said to myself 
my primary goal is learning how to do these things, so mm. I'm going to rewrite it and make it better. Yeah, um, that's fine. So I did. And, and that, I had a level editor I was yeah, working on. Right, and we were both working on like kind of separate streams of this project. And also, we work on this game for like a small number of hours per week. Yeah, we have other jobs that are meaningful and satisfying and important. Yeah, that's been mostly true for most of the time, and then I was not doing that. And then now I will have one again soon, which is good. And, you know, and so, I don't know. It's a weird hobby project because it's a hobby, and I both want to really seriously work on this project, but also really seriously focus on the other work I'm doing because it's also really important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I rewrote all the code, and I'm smashing my new code into our old code and Bryce's level editor, and everything's smashing together. And I think it's great. There's sparks flying out. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and so that's that's one of the big things we're going to have to do next is make the code fit. And also, probably at this point, really figure out what our version control system is really going to be once we really need to be working in the same scene. Oh, yeah, because Unity has some complexities there, which when we did the game jam, we ran into in mm. a bad way. Yeah, which we kind of fudged our way around. Yeah. But I think the actual solution is have the scene contain almost nothing. Yeah. And have all the stuff be in text files. Yeah. I which think... version control handles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Version control is great with text files. Yeah. So yeah. Like, the scene contains a scene manager script and right. nothing else or and something the, like and that. And there will be like a Bryce scene and a Will scene. Yeah. And that will have a prefab of the game manager object each that will then pull everything else in. Yeah. And we will literally never touch most of the things. Yeah, I think it's straightforward. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I have one other piece of news, which isn't a big piece of news. Okay. It's an idea. Okay. So I teach a game design class, Mm -hmm. um, or at the moment, I only teach a number of classes that are sort of game design classes. And this is to 7 to 13-year-olds. Yeah, that's correct. And one of my classes is a game analysis and criticism class. And so Mm -hmm. we are writing things, watching things, reading things, etc. about about games. And one of the things we've been doing over the last couple weeks is defining what a game is. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting question. That's Um, true. I have one. Oh, you have a definition. Well, my students have given me a definition that they refer to as Bryce's definition. Oh, do they? So what's your definition? Okay, so hold on, let me... I have to try to remember it. It's not my definition. I definitely got it right. from someone else. Well, it's Bryce's definition in my class. <laughs> okay. A game is a game where you go into a... Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Because now all I can think of is ludonarrative dissonance. Oh, that's wrong. But that's wrong. No, no, no. That's the um, opposite of games. No, it's not the opposite of a game, but it's a flaw in games. No, it's... Oh, God. Well, you tell me their definition. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe ignore this whole tangent. But the basic idea... Well, I'll say the basic idea. Say everything you think. Because I can't remember the name off the top of my head, even though I can recall it when many other people ask. The idea is that a game is an activity where you follow arbitrary rules and that are suboptimal. Yep. So that's part of it. The most for sure way to solve a Rubik's Cube, you could call solving a Rubik's Cube a game, would be to take all the pieces out and put them back together. Or the stickers. Or the, take the um, stickers off. even easier. Right. And so then, then you have a solved Rubik's Cube. But that is not what you're doing. A, oh, sorry. It's a loosery attitude. Oh, yeah. 
I so, completely forget where this definition came from. So it involves making... So you, you adopt a lucery attitude to complete a task suboptimally. Okay. So you, or you you decide that there is a way you will accomplish a task. Yep. And you will do those things, even though theoretically there might be better ways. Maybe not better ways, but other ways that are more efficient that you could accomplish them. So if you're playing Monopoly, the the goal is to get the most money or whatever. So what you could do is just take all of the pieces out of the box and put them in front of you. Right. Like grab all the money and hold it. Right. And you have won Monopoly, but you have not played a game in that scenario. Right. So you choose how you get to interact with it. And so that is essentially a game. And then there's a lot of lots of ways that you can do that. And that's like the core of it is that part of it. Yeah. So in all of our conversations about game definition revolve around making decisions, following a set of rules to accomplish a task in a generally suboptimal way. Something like that. Right. And that's what they say is my definition? Something like that. They have a very precise framing because apparently you had a conversation with some of these children and they remember it. Well, I've taught those they have kids ch- game design. Right, because they have child memories. So they remember, right. like, actual things yeah. instead of just vague ideas. Mm. Of, I remember right. nothing. Well, the important uh, thing here is that it is itself a vague idea. Yeah. So we've talked about uh, game definitions a lot. And... One thing that has looped back is because my goal in teaching them is to make it clear that there's no obvious good definition. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of my goals. That's fair. And so I've always tried to problematize any statement they make. Okay. Um, Because that's my job. So one of the problems with the loser attitude thing is that it problematizes video games. Yeah. Because there isn't necessarily an optimal route to flipping those bits. Okay. There's like a. I mean, it's ga- like a. There's a game state, and you could learn what the the game. I guess maybe you get there a hex editor. Right. Right. Hacking. Right. Right. You I could mean, go into the game yeah. state and change all those bits so that you have achieved the winning. That, thing. Right, and that is what hacking is called. Yeah. Or rather, that is what is called hacking. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we talk about these definitions, and we tend to loop back to three different games mm-hmm. as our problematic games. Okay. And one is taxes. Uh, <laughs> Which involves performing a bunch of tasks according to an arbitrary set of rules in order to get an outcome. Hmm. But is... Well... Uh, no. I don't want to talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say no. Um, uh, <laughs> Wrong. Taxes comes up because under a lot of our definitions of games, it fits. Hmm. It doesn't fit on all definitions. We talk about fetch, um, okay. which Where is a game you, you play with a dog. Or a small child. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Where you throw an object and another creature grabs it and brings it back to you. I mean, we don't want Calvin Ball. Okay. And there's a couple others, but but there's a bunch of different cases for, like, edge cases of games. Mm -hmm. Um, And different definitions of games successfully get some edge cases... Mm-hmm. And exclude others. Well, that's one of the problems with definitions. Right. And this is where I'm going, okay. which is definitions as games. Oh, because well, your goal in making a definition is to get the highest score. Because there are things you want to exclude right. and include. Well, um, this brings us back to, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah, and who knows? I don't want to answer this or talk about it at all. Yeah. But I was just talking about this recently with Samantha and some other people. And one of the things that came up is that, like, there is, for any definition, there is kind of a prototypical, perfect, ideal version of the thing. Yeah. 
things that are really close to that and are definitely solidly in there. Yeah. And then a lot of fuzzy boundaries for almost everything you can define. Yeah. So all I want to say about definitions mm-hmm. is that a definition can be scored because you can come up with cases where you say, this is definitely not it. So let's make sure the definition doesn't include this thing. I see. And this is definitely it. So let's make sure it includes it. Right. And then that's a game. Right. And so your definition can be, do I get a, do I get a five or a seven? Right. Um, and so definitions as games, it's a game design challenge. I think okay. there's something really rich there. <laughs> so you could say, define a sandwich. Yeah. Your definition must include a cheesesteak sub, but exclude a hot dog. Yeah. And that is hard. If you have an answer for that, you could write to us at sidequestspodcast.com. Many side quests, one podcast. Yes. And you could also write to us with any other questions or comments or tell us we're blatantly wrong, maybe. Which was fine, because we yeah. are We're really... just chatting. We're wrong a lot of the time. Uh, so I think we're wrapping up. <laughs> That's correct. Um, I just wanted to offer this challenge. The idea of, can you make defining things into a game by listing things that aren't in the category and that are. And I suppose any given game... So, like, you could make a game that is list three things that are in the category and three things that are definitely not in the category. Go. Yeah. And that would be a fun thing to do around a campfire. Yeah, I think there's a lot of possibility here for defining as games. Right. Because it has a clear scoring metric. Right, that's true. Unlike, and maybe exactly like ice skating yeah so there we are that's all i want to say about definitions all right people think they're about communication they're really about winning (laughs) okay so anytime you say somebody is using something wrong what you're doing is saying the game that you probably weren't playing but i definitely am you have just lost yeah i'm I'm better at it than you (laughs) all right and with that, I'm Hiya Brett. And I'm Will. And this has been Side Quests. And you can email us like we were just talking about, uh, about comments and questions. And what we would really like you to do is to uh, tell some friends about us. Yeah, like, like two or three. Yeah, just people that you think this would be interesting to. Yeah. And... I mean, if they're not going to like it, don't tell them. Right, because then they'd be like, why did you make me listen to this? But... I imagine that there's people that you know that might also like this, and you should tell them about us. You can also rate us on iTunes and give us ratings and things on other things, but mostly rate us on iTunes. Everyone in the world seems to believe iTunes is a thing to be rated on, so I'm willing to go with it. Yeah, I think it's because most podcasts get listened to yeah, I think through them. I think there's data. Yeah, there's data that I don't have. It's not my data. Yeah, I didn't take it. No. Or, or you know, crunch it yeah. like you might do. Anyway, so do those things. Yeah, please. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>